your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including the Odyssey app, Megaphone, Spotify, Apple, and Google. Subscribing is always free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis, or also allows you to catch up on previous episodes you may have missed. On tonight's episode, we will be recapping a very interesting game against the Ottawa Senators with the Jets. Um, You know, obviously, I think Winnipeg was probably expecting to win this game, but for for many reasons, the Jets, well, it's the Jets. You know, even with a a major lead, the Jets can often be a little bit less than, well, safe and secure. Breaking down this game does reveal a few interesting trends that I've been noticing over the past couple of games from Winnipeg, and some of it's positive, some of it's a little bit I'm a little bit hit or miss on it, but let's start off with the first period. Right out of the gates, you could tell that Winnipeg was very much hungry for some early offensive possession. Ottawa is not that great of a team, and it was very clear that the Jets wanted to dictate the terms of the game and really set the pace early. I get that we expect this from the Jets, especially against the Suns, but to be honest, it is refreshing to see Winnipeg actually play up to expectations and not really struggle against a team that, frankly, it needs to put away. We all know that good or bad, the Suns have given the Jets fits before, and that's not super shocking. You know, um, Winnipeg is not great, but Ottawa often plays with a lot of desperation, and I think that that often gives the Jets trouble. As skilled and, and talented as Jets can be, the Suns can be an annoying team to play against, especially if they go up and, and have a lead, they start trying to trap you and clog your neutral zone, which, you know, with the Jets, sometimes works, sometimes doesn't, depends on how Winnipeg is feeling, and if their breakouts start to find a little bit of a, a, a seam route through those neutral zone transition areas, but um, either way, Winnipeg didn't really have to worry about that too much. In the first couple of shifts, it was clear that Winnipeg was basically going to dominate this game, like the first line had a really good offensive zone shift, a couple of nice forced turnovers, and then some really good you know, low low slot chances, but of course, Winnipeg has to keep this sustained offensive zone pressure, and on a, an ensuing line shift where the second line came on, I think Shifley might have still been on the ice, or, or it was Wheeler, I forget who exactly it was. I think it was actually Wheeler on this one, because uh, Wheeler actually drops low, Dubois is coming on the ice with Paul Stastny, and Dubois and, and Wheeler work together really well below the goal line. Wheeler was actually grinding along the walls, which it seems like is something he's been adding to his game a bit more. While he does struggle to really be a major player at even strength, I mean, we can definitely see him slowing down. It is good to at least see him trying to work the, the puck along the walls and create space for his line mates. In this sequence, he had a, you know, a very nice below-the-goal line pass from behind the net. Found Pierre-Luc Dubois to the left of what would be Forsberg's uh, left shoulder, basically. PLD went far post top corner. And honestly, it's just a really brilliant playmaking sequence. I, I felt like this epitomizes what I want to see from this team. You have some really good opening shifts, and then you have successive shifts where... 
Ottawa can't really get a line change, and Winnipeg keeps rolling all four lines to create offensive zone pressure and tire out your opponent's skaters. This is the stuff that the 17-18 Jets were basically, you know, masters at doing. Roll all four lines, wear down your opponents, force them to start making mistakes, prevent them from getting line changes, and over time, those sorts of uh, long, winding shifts eventually tear your, your opponents apart because they just can't keep up and can't make enough decisions to clear that puck out. It was cool that the Jets hit pay dirt pretty quickly in this game. Sometimes we've seen them really struggle to create much in the way of offense, and of course, with the Jets, nothing is ever secure, and I feel like we all, we already started seeing that once they had a one nothing lead, they then start taking some really undisciplined penalties. Generally speaking, I, I don't know if the Jets are like a really high uh, penalty minute team. I don't know that they take all that many minors when it comes to this sorts of stuff. They used to be really infamous for being a team that basically earned four to five penalty kill situations a game. Nowadays, for the most part, Winnipeg tries to be more disciplined on the stick and avoiding, you know, silly calls, you know, trying not to cross-check or board guys. I would actually say that for the most part, Winnipeg plays a very clean game. It's interesting, you don't really see that all that often. Aside from, like, Forbort and a few other guys maybe hacking and, and whacking in the, in the corners with cross-checks and stuff, you don't really see Winnipeg going for a lot of predatory hits. What they will take minors for, though, tends to be like slashing and hooking because the defenders start to wear down, they start making mistakes, and then they get their stick up high and, and catch somebody. Not not really intentional, but some of the hooking stuff definitely is, trying to bust up maybe a, a clear odd man situation. In this first period, though, it just felt like Winnipeg was maybe getting a little bit lackadaisical and, and a little careless with some of their penalties. Um, Pierre-Luc Dubois had a really dumb, uh, you know, high-sticking call that I didn't really know what he was thinking. For some reason, he was trying to skate through the neutral zone and caught somebody up high. It didn't really make any sense why his stick was even elevated like that, but it is what it is. You know, Winnipeg had also just had, like, a too-many-men penalty, and, and there were some other dumb things. But for the most part, like, the Jets definitely ran the first period, certainly by shots on goal and shot attempts. Winnipeg was, for the most part, leading the charge. The only reason Ottawa was even sniffing Winnipeg's net was because of all of the power play opportunities. You know, even then, they only had, uh, I think, around eight or nine shots on goal in that first frame, so not exactly an offensive juggernaut. Winnipeg, on the other hand, seemed to be cycling the puck well. They were getting down low effectively. I, I felt like they had some really good shooting opportunities on... on uh, Forsberg, which is kind of interesting because Forsberg actually still had his Jets kit on from when he had been claimed by the Jets just a few weeks ago. It's funny that he doesn't have like new pads or a mask to go with his new team in Ottawa, but it is what it is. Must be strange to immediately face the team you were just working for, you know, a scant couple of weeks ago. I will say that Forsberg weathered the storm pretty well. He only conceded one goal in that opening period. Um, it is interesting to note that aside from Wheeler and, and Pierre-Luc Dubois getting points, Logan Stanley recorded a second NHL assist. So congrats to him. I'll talk a little bit about Stanley's game later in this in this show, just because I feel like Logan has maybe been a little bit overhyped, and I feel like tonight's game is a, a good example of why I think that his ceiling is still capped as a third-pairing D. You've probably seen it on Twitter from a few folks, but there's a bit more to it as to why Logan probably isn't going to be the sort of defender that you would protect when it comes to the expansion draft, which I know, hot take, some folks are going to be very upset by that, but... You know, there's a lot of reasons why the Jets need to be very careful and very choosy. Of course, we still have the rest of this game to cover, and before we get any further, I did want to tell you a little bit about why Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar on the market. By now, if you're a long-time listener of this podcast, you know that I'm personally a huge fan of Built Bars. If you don't know what I'm talking about at all, Built Bars are the most delicious protein bars money can buy. They're always covered in 100% chocolate, and the fillings all come in many great flavors and textures. Whether you're looking for a more brownie-like consistency, something akin to nougat, or even a chunkier protein bar. 
Of course, the most important part is just how good this stuff tastes, and you've got 12 original flavors to choose from. I would highly recommend raspberry and mint brownie as two of your starting points, but you really can't go wrong with any of them. Peanut butter, banana bread, salted caramel, they're all delicious. But like any great company, Built Bar is not content to rest on its laurels, and is back and better than ever with six brand new flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. I've tried all of them and they're all amazing. I have to say that at first I was lemon almond cheesecake team, but I might be on the cookies and cream bandwagon now. As good as they taste, they're even better for you, with most Bilt Bars clocking in at around 200 calories or less, between 50 to 19 grams of protein, and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. They're low calorie, low sugar, high in fiber, and high in protein, so they're great for keto diets as well as weight loss and weight maintenance programs. Go to BiltBar.com to place your order and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast where you're recapping Winnipeg versus Ottawa. This is indeed a rescheduled game after the original game had to be moved up from May because Winnipeg ended up having all of the games against Vancouver over the weekend canceled. Or rather, postponed at least, but basically canceled for all intents and purposes until the team figures out how to deal with its COVID crisis. We're all really hoping that Vancouver recovers quickly, but for the time being, of course, the Jets did still have some work to do, and after an interesting first period, Winnipeg was up 1-0. I would call the first period dominant with a bit of an asterisk mark just because the Jets in fact took three penalties and that's not always a recipe for success. I think the big question was would Winnipeg sort of uh, sort out its discipline issues and really dominate and control in all facets of the second period? Before I reveal the answer, I did want to let you know a little bit about why Locked On Today needs to be in your daily podcast rotation. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Podcast today on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And now some thoughts about Winnipeg's second period against Ottawa, which for the most part was pretty good. I would say that the Jets definitely had a bit of a stumble in the first 5-10 to 10 minutes. I wouldn't say that the Jets were bad necessarily, but Ottawa started to creep back into this game. And where the Jets really didn't give Ottawa much at even strength in the first period, they did start to concede a few low, you know, uh, low slot chances and high danger areas to Ottawa in the second period, especially as Ottawa began to find its skating legs. I didn't exactly expect the Sens to roll over, so this response isn't super surprising, but I was a little bit worried that the Jets would start to slack off and maybe take a few shifts where they really struggled and couldn't get back into the game. Of course, this being the Sens, I was sort of expecting that even though they were starting to apply a bit more offensive pressure, they'd have some sort of a mistake that ended up costing them. And after a few minutes of Ottawa starting to play a little bit better, you know, the Sens committed a bit of a foul against the third line. Andrew Kopp won a wall battle as uh, Ottawa was trying to clear its own zone, and, you know, Mason Appleton drifts towards the center of the slot, actually serves as more of a decoy while Adam Lowry moves out to the left flank, and Kopp passes over to Lowry. Lowry just sort of waits for the, the skaters to rotate and create a bit of a screen, and just sort of wrists it from a pretty decent distance away. I don't know if he was actually at the top of or just inside the faceoff circle, but he was far enough away where I was a little bit surprised. Forsberg wasn't able to stop it. The release was pretty rapid and accurate, but I was still a little bit shocked. I mean, Lowry's not exactly a well-known sniper, you know, so uh, a bit of an interesting goal. Obviously, we take it. It's definitely a, a nice little boost for the Jets and certainly something to pad the lead, which it's a good thing they did because about 30 seconds later, Ryan Dezingle ends up scoring at the other end, and this one was a bit of a busted play. Blake Wheeler and and Paul Stastny were in front of the net, and Dezingle was sort of hovering behind the net and especially around the the goal line area, and I I don't know what exactly happened. I think Paul Stastny tried to dispossess Zingle, expecting Wheeler to move in and, and take the puck, but instead, Wheeler never really moved. And so Dezingle just sort of had free range to skate around and tuck the puck right past uh, Hellebuck's glove on the left side. 
It's one of those situations where you're not really sure what Blake is exactly doing inside the, the crease area. If he's not really going to mark anyone and he's not going to move anywhere in particular where he can actually intercept the play, I don't really know what he's supposed to be doing. He wasn't serving a defensive purpose, that's for sure. After the goal against, the Jets started to get things going a little bit more. There were still a few shifts where defensively they weren't great, but eventually it seemed like the Jets were getting a little bit more responsive and a little bit more active. They then drew a power play, and of course, you know, Winnipeg's power play is one of the situations where the first unit goes out, wears down the PK unit, and then the second unit comes on and then scores. It more or less played to this script, although I would say that the second unit got really helpful contributions from Matthew Perot. Perot has been on an absolute tear this year. He's very good down low. He's very much a board-battling kind of player. And one thing that he does super well is that he recognizes when there's an opportunity to take defenders out of the game. He was marking, you know, Josh Brown and basically being a bit of a pest in the corner. And Josh, being a defender, is actually supposed to be closer to the goal line and, and really the goal mouth to actually flex across and, and move around if he needs to do adjust his coverages. Brown ends up committing in the corner with Perot to try and muscle him out. And that basically leaves Pierre-Luc Dubois completely wide open on the right flank. Cop recorded his second assist of the night with a really great cross-seam pass to Dubois, who really had no one marking him. It's actually crazy how open PLD was. And Dubois, for all of his struggles this year, definitely wasn't going to miss that one. Scores his second goal of the night. Really nice brace for him. And it just served as a pleasant reminder of how this team can be really effective at a lot of the details when the team isn't, you know, really struggling with a lot of the defensive stuff. What was most effective was having the blue line really activate aggressively. This is one of the trends I pointed out as being something that the Jets needed to do, and actually they've they've started doing it a lot earlier in games, and tonight they were basically aggressive right from puck drop. When you let your D activate, it creates a lot more of an overload inside the offensive zone. You really can't have an outman situation all that often, but you can certainly clog up spaces and try and create a lot of pressure and support for your forwards, which in this case, it seemed like the Jets defenders were doing a fairly decent job of that. Sometimes they had to benefit from Ottawa mishandling the puck trying to clear the zone, but either way, that can be viewed as as a symptom of Winnipeg's D activating more frequently. Winnipeg's continued aggression ended up paying off as they started to really dominate the second period, especially the latter half. Kyle Connor ended up getting a really funny goal. I'm not sure if he was trying to shoot or pass this one, but Chris Tierney tried to intercept it and instead actually deflected it through the pads of Forsberg, who was falling over and really couldn't stop the puck from rolling between his uh, five holes. So one of those really fluky goals, but certainly one that was earned. And, and you know, I'd say that the, uh, the scoreline was decently fair enough. Maybe Ottawa deserved one goal more, but beyond that, I would say that Jets had a very good second period. With a 4-1 lead, you'd think things were pretty secure, but of course with this team, it always gets interesting, and uh, this third period was certainly no exception. Before I tell you about some of the uh, moments that made me sweat, especially as the game wore down to the final minutes, I did want to tell you a little bit about why BetOnline.ag is the most sweat-free online betting experience possible. When it comes to the wild west of online betting, you really need a name you can trust, one that's reliable, safe, and convenient. That's why you need look no further than BetOnline.ag. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, international soccer, and NHL are all in full swing. Not into sports? No problem. BetOnline even has your back with awards, TV shows, and reality TV coverage, featuring real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Whether you want to place your bet on the next Stanley Cup champion or who you think is getting voted off your favorite reality TV show next, BetOnline also has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds you need to make the most informed bets possible. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's always free to sign up. Go on over to BetOnline.ag on your desktop or your mobile device, and when you register for a free account, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Stop sitting on the sidelines and get in on the action today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. 
Welcome back to these closing moments of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are finishing our recap of Winnipeg versus Ottawa, which, like I mentioned earlier in the episode, um, <laughs> despite a 4-1 lead, Winnipeg kind of made it interesting. So let's start off with a good part of the third period, which is about the first 10 or so minutes. Winnipeg continued to dominate play, create lots of great chances, um, Anton Forsberg, for the most part, was pretty wise to it. I think Winnipeg mostly was looking to just control shots and not really allow Ottawa back into the game. They mostly did that, uh, and then things started to decline as the period wore on. Like, you know, Winnipeg started slowing down, being a little bit more defensive. You notice the quality of the shots taken weren't quite as good. Lots of point stuff, lots of perimeter cycling without really great chances created, so I was starting to get a little bit nervous. We've seen the Jets, when they start to do this kind of stuff, not really be as good as you'd like. With how leaky the Jets are defensively, this is one of those situations where I would rather they kind of put this one away and maybe get one extra goal to really sink the sends. Didn't uh, didn't quite pan out that way. Um, the Jets, about midway through the period, started to get into some penalty troubles, and on one of them, Josh Norris had a really easy, basically top-shoulder snipe. Not that dissimilar from Pierre-Luc Dubois' second goal of the game. Uh, Norris was basically wide open, just had to sort of wrist it over... Hellebuck's shoulder, not much of an opportunity for Helly to really make the save, and suddenly it's a, a two-goal game. And then the Jets defensively really started to struggle, and unfortunately a lot of that stuff started, started to come from Logan Stanley and Tucker Pullman. These guys inside a lot of defensive zone shifts and stuff really struggle to move the puck effectively. Stanley is fine when he's not really under pressure, but tonight he had a couple of situations where he played more like Derek Forbort, in that he sort of mishandled the puck and, and gave a few dangerous opportunities away. And that's not to say that Logan was bad tonight. For the most part, he was actually pretty solid. You know, he was involved offensively, he had a couple of good offensive zone shifts and some really good zone keeps, but aside from that, defensively a little bit shaky. Pullman just struggled in general, which is not super shocking. Tucker with Morrissey is not really a great mix, and, and honestly, Pullman, aside from like limited, really like really limited minutes, I would say, doesn't really handle his responsibilities super well. If he was like a 12-minute-a-night sheltered guy, I don't think I'd see as many problems in his game, but he, he definitely has issues with turnovers, some defensive zone awareness, and just general struggling, I would say. I don't really know how else to describe it. I think a lot of his stuff in terms of hockey sense and IQ doesn't really align to his, his physical tool sets because if he had the IQ to match up with a lot of the, like the, the skating and the puck handling ability, he'd be a menace. But as it is, he's very much in that third pairing territory and I feel like his current role as a guy who gets a lot of minutes really puts him in a bad situation. You know, both of those guys probably were lucky to not be burned as many times as they made mistakes tonight, but Pullman may have been on the ice for the third goal against, which was a, a really ugly one, this one from Connor Brown. Connor just sort of drove to the net and scored, which is very frustrating for many reasons. I, I feel like Winnipeg, especially with Blake Wheeler sitting in front of Hellebuck, is not super effective trying to make any sort of defensive plays. I'm not really sure what Morrissey was doing, because I think Josh got caught chasing somebody towards the left side. Wheeler was definitely doing something in the slot. I don't really know if he was marking anyone in particular, but basically Connor Brown had an easy lane to the net. And on the back of successive shifts where Ottawa is starting to string together a lot of offensive pressure, this definitely made me nervous. I've seen the Jets blow leads like this before. It's not exactly a new occurrence. And despite getting really fantastic goaltending, this is one of the situations where Hellebuck really can't do a whole lot more than what he's already done. Maybe you get like a really miraculous save on something like Brown's chance, but beyond that, not much that Hellebuck can do for you. 
With uh, about two minutes or so remaining, Ottawa then pulls the goalie, and it, it gets a little bit hairy from there. The Jets were definitely you know, feeling a lot of that offensive zone pressure. They were starting to collapse defensively, and Ottawa was trying to create a lot of chaos down low. Thankfully, it wasn't quite as bad as some of the other empty net situations we've seen with the Jets. I felt like Winnipeg really didn't give up as many dangerous opportunities. You know, it, when it's like a really good team or at least a half-decent team, Winnipeg's slot is basically a welcome mat with a 6-on-5 situation. I wouldn't say that they handled this that much better, but at least they were able to exit the zone a couple of times and, and maybe get a, a few breathers here and there on some icings, but definitely not a great situation. Winnipeg sort of sitting back as the period wore on, not exactly the way I'd go about it. Conserve energy where you need to, but don't get too complacent. You know, if you have a two-goal lead, I don't think that that's particularly safe. Three goals, a little bit more out of reach, but two goals, that's where you're getting into really nervy territory. Mercifully, you know, the Jets were able to keep their lead, and so they win 4-3. to three. It was a bit, uh, a bit hairy towards the end there. Thankfully, they pulled it out of the fire, I guess, so to speak. Crazy that you have to snatch victory from the jaws of a near defeat after you were very much in control for most of the game. But it is what it is. This is the Jets. That's basically what we've come to expect. And now, Winnipeg is on to Montreal. Fun times. Fun times indeed. We'll have thoughts on those games in the coming days, as well as some additional coverage as we near the trade deadline. But for tonight's episode, that will do it. Before you log off, be sure to check out Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Be a waiver wire winner with daily fantasy hockey advice from Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Expert Scott Cullen gives you the tips, insights, and analysis for season-long, dynasty, and DFS league. Follow the Locked On Fantasy Hockey podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite shows. And as always, thanks for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!